You are now listening to the Legends Lingo Podcast, presented by Student Union Sports. Here are your hosts, Al and Powder. Enjoy the show. All right, everybody, welcome back in Legends Lingo Podcast, episode 195, presented by Student Union Sports. Make sure to check out everything on studentunionsports.com from the podcast to the blogs. Check out their latest podcasts, such as the Not Gonna Lie podcast, which gives you NFL coverage every single week, along with the Is It Saturday Yet? that gives you the best in action of college football, whether it's betting or just hoping your team makes it to the national championships. Make sure to go check out those podcasts. No pattern tonight. A little bit of a scheduling conflict this week. Basically, the days the powder could do it, I couldn't do it, and vice versa. So, powder couldn't be here. Diego Galvis could be here, though, tonight as our fill-in co-host. Diego, you might be familiar with, as he is the host of the Yellow Card Podcast, one of the best Boston soccer podcasts. I think maybe the only Boston soccer podcast that's really around. So, Diego, welcome back once again, my good friend. Thank you, man. Thank you very much for having me. I'm glad that... uh Legends Lingo still kicking and so and surviving. Uh no, we've had some uh, some changes, but change is always welcome and and always sometimes even needed. So happy to be here, man. Happy to have you back. And yes, Legends Lingo somehow still kicking. Yellow card podcast still kicking. You know, we've uh retired our days with uh Couch Guy Sports, and now we are mm-hmm. uh, we're doing our own thing. Obviously, we're on Student Union Sports. Uh yellow card, correct me if I'm wrong, is independent still right now, but uh yep. You know, some opportunities could arise. Who knows what happens? But make sure to follow, rate, subscribe to the Yellow Card Podcast on all major platforms, and we'll let Diego shout all that out at the end. Diego, it's been a busy week. Yeah, to say the least. Very, very busy. Patriots coming off a tough, hard-nosed, nose-to-the-grindstone win over the New York Jets in the divisional battle at the Meadowlands for their 13th straight win over the Jets, which is just amazing to me. The Celtics are four and two, but we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the behind the scenes stuff that's going on that includes their former head coach, Ime Udoka. And we'll throw some Bruins in there at the end. And we'll get uh we'll get some thoughts on how our Boston Bruins are doing as they're eight and one to start the season. Diego, you're the guest. Do you want to talk Celtics first or Patriots? What do you want to go with first? I think we'll go with Patriots first. Why not? All right, so let's do it. So Patriots, so let's go over the game. Patriots win 22-17 over the New York Jets. They are now 4-4 four four in the season as they head into their Week 9 matchup at home against the Indianapolis Colts, which we will preview later on in the show. But right now, just kind of quick thoughts to kind of open up. Diego, were you, did you get a chance to watch the game? I watched for very little of it until, until I finally just kind of had enough of the game. Um, at first, it wasn't looking very good to say, especially against the Jets, but... Uh, you know they they managed to somehow turn it around and managed to uh, manage to to play the Patriot way. Uh, finally, for for a good glimpse of the of the game uh, up mm-hmm. until up until their their energy just kind of died off, and that's why the game ended twenty two seventeen. And let's think about this, right? So we have to talk about this. Obviously, late in the first half, Patriots are down ten to three. Patriots are driving down the field. Mac Jones. Now, according to Mac Jones, this was a miscommunication between him and Jacoby Myers in the red zone to tie the game potentially up at 10. Mac Jones throws a pick. Michael Carter intercepts it, takes it 84 yards the other way. Looks like a pick six. Looks like the Jets are about to go up 16 to three, 17 to three. Hold up a second. There's a roughing the passer call. And I think it's fair to say, Diego, that if that call doesn't happen, they don't get that rough in the passer call. 
I think the Jets win this game pretty easily. Because you think mm-hmm. about the Patriots, right? You think about this Patriots team. And you know this as well as I do because you're smart and you follow this team just like I do. Mm-hmm. The Patriots aren't built to come back, especially down multiple scores. They're, no. they're, they're just not. They're a team that's built to play ahead. They rely on the run game. They try to mix in some play action here and there. But ultimately, it came down to that call saved them. Because now, instead of being down 17-3, to three, you kick a field goal, you're down 10-6, get the ball in the second half, go right down the field, get a touchdown, now you're up 13-10. So that, that changed the whole game. It really did. And yeah. by the way, one other thing, and then you then you can obviously say your piece about the game and everything. Zach Wilson. Oh, my God, does he suck. Oh, my yeah. God, does he suck against the Patriots. He had, I think he had three interceptions in that game, two to Devin McCourty, which, by the way, shout out Devin McCourty, man, for the way he's been doing it for years. He's, I think he's, I, I forget how many interceptions he has now, but, man, he is getting up there, and he just, it was just like a cupcake was just brought into his hands. It's just like, here you go, enjoy a little treat, and then take it the other way to the Jets 40. But Zach Wilson, man, he just gave that game up. All he had to do was not turn the ball over, and he turns the ball over three times. And that was the difference. Now, I do want to hear your thoughts on the game. So thoughts, your thoughts on the game, Diego, and then I want to talk about one thing with Mac Jones afterwards. But go ahead, just overall thoughts. Yeah, I mean, overall thoughts at first, I thought we started very sluggish right off the bat. We made a lot of stupid defensive mistakes. Um, Offensively, we were just not gelling all together. I know that offensively we're missing some weapons that um, I would have liked the Patriots to kind of been major players in this in this uh trade deadline but they weren't nope um i don't think they even made a move this in this trade deadline they, if I'm they not did mistaken. not they did not so um besides that i mean i think it i think it took some of bill belichick's character to come into play for these people to realize like we got a game here we got an opportunity to to make ourselves uh a contender in the in the overall american football conference um, because overall, you know, if, if we don't, if we don't start to gel all together right now, the rest of our schedule looks pretty, you know, looks like we have a potential here, but if we don't start to gel all together, we continue to play as long as we've been playing. Well, we can even forget maybe a wild card position, um, to be played for, you know, for playoffs come, you know, come, uh, Super Bowl time. Um, after they started gelling together, I think I, I thought the offense came up with some good schematics and and good uh, good opportunities. I still think that one of the biggest problems that the Patriots have is themselves and that opening up their playbook and really utilizing the two tight ends that they have. Yeah. John Smith continues to be heavily underutilized for his second year under contract. Um, I almost feel bad because if if we were to really use the um the tight end scam of things how we used to do it back in back when even when when judge used to be the offensive coordinator along with with mcdaniels um then then this team would easily be you know looking at six and two maybe five and three. Oh, yeah. uh, you know but but we're not we're not there uh we still making major mistakes um i still think we need to Hire some additional coordinators. I don't think Matt Patricia should stay at offensive coordinator anymore. That's a, uh, that's that's understating it. Yes, I agree. Continue. Um, I, I definitely do not think Matt Patricia is the guy to lead our offense anymore. Um, if he's not to stick to offense or defense, then I mean, there's plenty of college football jobs coming up where maybe he could rekindle his um, 
you know, his career again and maybe become a legitimate football coach. Um, perhaps, I mean, because we know, we know how his career went at the Lions and maybe at NFL level, maybe it's not made for him to be a head coach just yet. Maybe he needs to, you know, reinvent the wheel and go back to, to college years and, and, and coach a college, um, group to then define himself as a, as a leading head coach for the NFL's future. Right. Um, I, however, do not think that Joe Judge should also be the offensive coordinator either. Um, we saw his record against the Giants. We saw how that offense still lacked of potential, even with some major people that are headlining trades these days. I mean, mm-hmm. we all knew that when Kenny Galladay went to the Giants, we all were like, wow, the Giants are legit contenders because Galladay was flying with the Detroit Lions. Right. Well, now Galladay's an unheard of last name in your household people don't even remember you know half the uh the white receiver that he that he used to be right. um then you look at the tight ends for the giants and you're like okay well evan ingram okay he's there sterling okay he's there but like they're not major threats and in, in new england right now you do have two major threats that if they were utilized to their potential new england will be a far more fearful team than they are right now right now you're a mid-card team, maybe, you know, a potential surprise down the schedule and down the stretch. Um, so I think I think not addressing the offensive issues that we have in the trade deadline is going to come back to bite us. Um, defensively, we I, I know defensively everybody wanted Isaiah Wynn to be moved, um, but unfortunately for the type of depth that was offered in the trade deadline and that is out there, it just wouldn't make sense. The Patriots will be losing their shirts, even if they wanted to add some depth in there. Um, right. So I'm, I'm kind of curious to see what, what the rest of the stretch looks like for the, for the Patriots. I'm glad that they won against the Jets. Uh, it wasn't much of a convincing win, to be honest with you. If, if you were convinced by that, by that, uh, by that performance, then I think you, you need to st- snap back to reality or maybe stop drinking uh, altogether. Um, or just drinking the Patriots Kool-Aid, you know? Yeah, exactly. But uh, overall, I mean, I, I, this doesn't come down to Belichick. If if people are, you know, wondering if maybe Belichick is at the end of his years, uh, that's, again, maybe something It's not back to reality. The only reason we're 4-4 four and four is because of his coaching methods. This team could be a lot worse right now. Um, but I do think that, Next year we're gonna see a major shakeup in 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 the front office for the for the Patriots, and I think it's needed. Thank God too. So so a lot to unpack there, right? So first things first, the gelling part. Totally agree with that. And you saw especially this week, David Andrews being out and James Ferenc being in. James Ferenc is a veteran, I know that, but David Andrews has been the heart and soul of that offensive mm-hmm. line for years. His present, his lack of presence in that game, very noticeable, no doubt about that. Isaiah Wynn. Would I have liked to see him traded? Yes. Do I understand why he didn't get traded? Also, yes. But And we talked about this, you know, as we were texting today. So we're recording on Tuesday, November 1st, about 7, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can bring Isaiah Wynn off the bench if you need him. Like, yep. that's fine. You, yep. you, you can't play a guy that leads the NFL. And I'm not just talking... I'm not just talking like the AFC, Diego. I'm talking all of football oh, in penalties yeah. committed. You can't have that. When you have... And I and I'm improvising here, but when you have Trent Brown, Michael and Wenu, or sorry, Trent Brown, Cole Strange, David Andrews, Michael and Wenu, and Marcus Cannon, 
for this Patriots offense, that's a run first type offense. That's really good. Marcus Cannon, way better of a running block, uh, run blocking offensive lineman than Isaiah Wynn is. Right when Isaiah Wynn came in, Mac Jones comes in, gets sacked. Like it's just, it's either a sack or a penalty. And the thing that you, another thing you said that I really liked was the Patriots get in their own way because yep. they take two steps forward and then they take five steps back with a stupid penalty or whatever. And it's just, it becomes infuriating because we're not used to that. We're used to seeing clean games from the Patriots. We're used to seeing penalty free yep. games. And yes, although you won the game, you really should have lost the game. If that call is not made on that roughing the passer call late in the first mm-hmm. half. Mm-hmm. So now you're talking about, you could have been three and five. Now this all could have, would have, should have like, if you traded that game for the Packers game, let's say, where if you coach just a little bit better, you get Nick Folk into field goal range, he kicks a field goal, you beat the Packers at Lambeau when mm-hmm. Bailey Zappi started. So again, it's all give and take. But right now, as it stands, the Patriots are in the eighth seed right now. They're one spot out of a playoff spot right now. They're four and four. They have the Colts next week, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. And then they have the Jets again two weeks after that game, because they have a bye mm-hmm. and then, and then the jets game. So there's stuff to look forward to, right? There's a little, there's a little pot. There's some positivity the next couple of weeks. Mac Jones did some nice things threw a touchdown pass threw a bad interception hand got hit as he threw the interception. Should have had two interceptions. I'm very happy about the fact that they let Mac start the game and finish the game. I know that doesn't sound like much, but now you're saying, okay, there's no more controversy. Max, our guy, we have a good, dependable backup in Zappi. That can't be taken away from him. When Zappi came in, he did his job, and he did it very well. He got you two wins. Maybe it should have been three wins. But now we see, all right, this is the guy. We're going with him. He's going to have his struggles. He hasn't been what he was last year. We know that. But now at least we know this is the guy we're going to ride with. He's loved in that locker room. The coaching staff really likes him, supposedly, now. You know, they're trying to, like, kiss and make up, but supposedly that's what what's going on. So now you go forward. So Mac Jones, again, I give him a C-minus for Sunday's game. He wasn't great by any means. He made yeah. some third-down conversions. He helped on that drive to start the second half, threw a three-yard um, out route to Jacoby Myers for a touchdown pass. But, again, at least you have a direction now. You know that everyone's staying. Nelson Aguilar's staying. Kendrick Bourne's staying. Isaiah Wynn's staying. Nobody's going anywhere. So now I think it's appropriate to move into the next week's game, right? Take a look at it. Yeah, I mean, right now what I would say in that aspect about Mac and Bailey, I mean, there's two things that we need to be realistic about. Number one, can't judge Mac Jones just yet and say that he's washed. Do I think that he doesn't have the potential to remain in the New England Patriots organization after four years? Absolutely. I think year one was his trial year. He did very well trial by fire because he didn't have much of a competition to really go into in that quarterback in that quarterback room. I mean, your competition that year was Brian Hoyer, who we barely like. And besides that was Jared Stidham, who was unavailable due to injury. Now this year, this is a year where you really need to put up or shut up. And unfortunately for him, there is a such thing known as sophomore slump, especially coming out of college, right? Oh, yeah. So there, so there, so there is that for Mac. But then there's also the factor that now you actually have somebody that's coming, that's 
gunning guns blazing at your job because he wants to make a name for himself and rightfully so. It is the freshman hunger that comes out of every single drafted quarterback out of the out of the college draft. And it's something that's gonna be there forever. It doesn't even matter if you're Mac Jones, it doesn't even matter if you trade Lance, or it wouldn't even matter if Justin Fields had been the one here in, in New England. Bailey Zappi or whoever we would have drafted for that quarterback job would have been just as hungry. Uh, regardless, especially when the opportunity is there. So it doesn't matter who the individual is. That hunger is going to be there regardless for that freshman um, opportunity. The third part is next year is really when we can actually judge Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. Next year is when you realize, okay, you had your freshman year uh, jitters taken away. You had your second year competition now. Now your third year is either you put up or move out of the way. Because right. if you're not if you're not putting up, you're getting moved out of the way or you're getting traded. And that is a year where Mac Jones will definitely feel the pressure, especially out of a Bailey Zapp, uh, Bailey Zappi that will now have the expertise and already that jitter out of, out of his system to know that if he was to step up for that secondary job, what he needs to do and what his offense consists of because he now knows the playbook and now knows what his weapons are available as, as it stands. Um, so I think... This controversy between Mac and, and, and Bailey, I think there's two things. Number one, New England let the media eat away at them, which is a, a major mistake. And Belichick should have been a lot more stern in that aspect. And I think he let go in a way. The second part to that is it didn't also help out that Jacoby Myers came out and said something completely different to the rest of the locker room in regards yeah. to the whole Mac and Bailey thing. So it kind of put some sort of onus on the locker room to finally, okay, we stood by Mac on year one just because the guy is injured and maybe had a couple of mistakes on that game that he came back. We can't just turn our back on him. So it kind of turned into that, you know, into that kind of chemistry of okay, we need to trust him. Let's give him, let's give him a little bit of trust here and let's give him an opportunity. Right. I still think though, come the second round against the Jets at the Meadowlands and come this round at home against Indiana. He has to prove himself. Yes. Because after that, the Vikings will come guns blazing at him. The Vikings look very good. Yeah, the Bills defensively, second best defense in the whole entire NFL. And then after that, you got the Cardinals. Whereas the Cardinals, okay, their defense is not that great, but their offense is very chippy and they know how to walk away with wins at last minute. Let's not forget what they did to the Bills two years ago on a deep pass Hail Mary from Kyler Murray to DeAndre Hopkins. And that could very of, well happen against this against this New England Patriots defense. And what type of quarterback is Kyler Murray? He's a he's a move a, a mobile quarterback. That's all you got to say. That's it right there. That's all you have mm-hmm. to say cuz Bill Belichick and the Patriots struggle against mobile quarterbacks. We've seen mm-hmm. it. Saw it with Justin Fields 2 weeks ago. So <clears throat> that game I'm very intrigued by. I think the Patriots can win that game, but again, we'll see what happens. So let's let's go into the Colts game. Let's let's get yep. right into it. Colts and Patriots. Colts are coming in with a 3-4-1 record. Patriots are at 4-4. Four and four. So when I see this, right, Diego, I take a look at a couple of things. First of all, the Colts have a rookie quarterback in Sam Ellinger. Only going to mm-hmm. make his second career start in the NFL. That's number one. Number two, the Colts recently fired their offensive coordinator. I think it was – I forget his name. Marcus something. I, f- I forget his name. I'm going to see if I can look it up really quick while I give my third point. And then the third thing is they just traded um, Naeem Hines – to Buffalo, who I know he's not Jonathan Taylor, but he's still a good receiving back. And that's a big piece that you're letting go. And you're getting back Zach Moss, 
mm -hmm. who isn't that bad, but it, it's just, I just don't understand. Like there's so many moving parts that how can you, how can you think that the Colts are really going to come in and make a statement? So it was Marcus Brady. That's who the OC was. Marcus Brady of the Colts. Yeah, so, Marcus Brady. Yeah. So I see this, right? I see a rookie quarterback. I see an offensive line that a lot of people said was supposed to be good. They're having their troubles as well. I'm seeing a guy in Jonathan Taylor that's not 100% healthy. And I see, you know, I see a guy in Michael Pittman that was supposed to be having a big year. He's having a little bit of a down year compared to what people thought he was going to produce. Mm -hmm. So I think the main thing is, is if you can stop Jonathan Taylor, who's already not 100%, not let him go crazy like you did last year, then you're really going to have a rookie quarterback come into Foxborough and beat Bill Belichick in this defense. And especially if he's not that mobile. I don't see it. I, I know what you mean, and, and I say that face. I, I know it can happen, but Sam Ellinger is not a guy like Justin Fields that can run. He's not a guy like Josh Allen that can run. He's not a guy that can really no, extend plays with his, with, his, with his legs. He's definitely not, but for the Colts, there's a couple opportunities here. Number one, there's no longer the Marcus Brady factor, the decision maker in that offense. Now Frank Reich has a complete and open slate to say, I will run the offense this week. Right. As as head coach. So now he can create new ideas in the playbook that maybe have not been seen yet of the Colts to really open up their their offensive weaponry, because in reality, you haven't really used Mo Alley Cox a lot this year. Not that he could be a major factor, but against the New England defense could very well be a deep threat, especially in depth, considering that our our um, our CBs are really not all that great this year, that's an issue. Second of all, we've seen Sam Erlinger kind of quarterbacks come into, into Foxborough and still be able to make a statement. Justin Herbert isn't much of a of, of a of a fast, streaky quarterback, but he still came into Foxborough and defeated a New England Patriots team that everyone thought was definitely going to make it into um into at least Super Bowl contention that year. Wait, wait, um, wait, wait. When was that? When when did Herbert beat the Patriots? This was hang on one second. I can tell you that. Hang on. No, that's that's fine. So so while you look that up, I'll just I'll interject really quick while you find that. So I, I get the I get the Frank Wright aspect, right? And this is a no pun intended, but I think this is a guy that you know he has a lot actually so actually my I, I stand corrected. I forgot that that game actually went into uh into a little bit of a controversial last-minute call that went for the Patriots, but the Patriots still managed to win 27-24. That game should have oh. really ended 24-23. Ah, okay, okay. And that, that game was at New England, or was it at No, that game was at – um. that game was – I'll tell you that in a second – because the two games that I remember, no, that game was at SoFi Stadium, but still, that was a year where Justin Herbert was put to trial. Right, because I remember, I remember two starts that Justin Herbert made against the Patriots. I remember there was the forty-five nothing shellacking that the Patriots gave him in the Cam Newton year, mm -hmm. and then there was last year where they won twenty-seven twenty-four. I think that was when Adrian Phillips had a pick six in that game. If I'm not mistaken, yes, yes. So, so with that. But I, I, I understand what you're saying. I get the comparison. It's it's a good comparison. 
And so, I, and I still and I still think I mean okay you don't have Naeem Hines who is always going to be who was always a threat to Jonathan Taylor's job as the number one running running back for for the Colts. But Zach Moss can also make plays out of nothing, and it's not like defensively we really have a strong defense that's good against the running game. Not just yet. Do we have a reliable? Person in in um in a, in a couple in a couple of the players there um why am I even drawing a blank on him he's my favorite Patriots right now Kendrick Bourne no no defensively no defensively oh Kyle Duggar no 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 um just right on the on the front line Christian um, Barmore no he's been having a shitload of sacks this year Judon Matthew Judon Judon thank you I don't know I don't know why I just a blank on I mean, clearly, thing. I said four other names, so I mean, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I mean, between Judon and Godshaw, like, yeah, okay, we have good opportunities there to defend, but Judon should really be focusing more on the quarterback and being able to make plays like he knows how to make those plays, right? It's not like Judon should be taking the job of three others that are supposed to be running against the running back game or making sure that those routes are covered, and that's the biggest problem right now that we have. For that New England defense, yeah, the Patriots defense, especially the linebackers, they got to be faster. They got to make plays, but we'll see what happens. Second half of the season coming up, so let's make some score predictions. So, Patriots Colts on Sunday. I still think the Patriots find a way to win the game. I think the Colts have a lot going against them, and the Patriots will find a way to win this game. Be five and four, heading into a bye week and getting ready for the Jets in two weeks. I got Patriots twenty four, Colts fourteen. Patriots take care of business at Gillette. What do you got for a score, Diego? I find this game to be very similar to that other game that we played against the Steelers. For some reason, the Colts kind of remind me a lot of the Steelers. So I'm going with the same prediction of 17-14. Um, I do believe that Patriots find a way to get it done. It's just a lot of mistakes to be happening in that game for both teams, not just the Patriots, but right. the Colts as well. Okay, so I got 24-14. Diego's got 17-14, but we both have a Patriots victory. Mm-hmm. And Diego mentioned it. We'll just say this briefly. Patriots made no moves to the deadline. Everyone's staying. So not really anything to report. So this is the team we're rolling with. So we'll see what happens the last nine games of the season. Want to get into some Celtics, Diego? Let's do it. All right. So the Celtics right now, four and two currently on the season. We mm-hmm. talked the last couple of weeks on the show about the defense and everything else, but we're not going to talk about that this week. This week, we're going to talk about something a little different. So this came out today. Diego was actually the one that told me about this. I was in school and I was in meetings all day and tutoring and teaching and everything else. So I get a text from Diego when I, when I asked him if he wanted to come on the podcast. And he's like, sure. Yep. He said, are we going to talk about Ime Udoka? And I said to myself, yeah, I mean, I, obviously there was something I missed. So I'm, I'm yep. like, all right, we can, we can talk about Ime. And then I look at Twitter when I get an off chance and then I see – some news that comes out from Adrian Wojnarowski, ESPN NBA insider. And I'm like, oh, this is why he wants to talk about it. So so let's talk about it. So the Brooklyn Nets, and this directly involves the Boston Celtics. So we'll paint the picture for you. Brooklyn Nets, two and five to start the year. Fire head coach Steve Nash, which we all should have seen this coming, right? It was reported that it was mutual. Maybe it was. Maybe Nash couldn't handle being with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving anymore, I get it. I wouldn't be able to handle it either. I can't blame the guy at all. 
I, I don't either. He can spend more time making TikToks with his family. So good for yep. him. So now the Nets need a head coach. And supposedly one of the front runners for the job was Ime Udoka. Because remember, Ime Udoka suspended for a year by the Celtics, not the mm-hmm. NBA, but the Boston Celtics. And then a short while later, it's reported that it looks like Udoka is going to be the next head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. Which, when you think about it, he was an assistant with Brooklyn the year before he came to Boston as the head coach. So the timeline and where he end up, where he's ending up makes sense. Mm-hmm. I just want to start by saying this, and then we can get kind of into it more. How desperate are the Brooklyn Nets right now? And how bad do they look? They're dealing with a point guard that is making anti-Semitic comments or in posts. You have a superstar that basically wants out. Like, I don't care what anybody says, the money, whatever. He wants out of Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. And now you bring in a head coach that has an investigation against him for improper work conduct with females in the organization. Shouldn't that be a red flag to the Brooklyn Nets and being like, oh, maybe we shouldn't go after this guy right now. You know, something's going on in Boston. There's a reason that they suspended him. Now, from just purely a basketball standpoint, could be a good move, but from a human a human element of it, it's ridiculous. There's a reason mm-hmm. this guy was suspended. He should not have a job right now. He should be a guy that is suspended for the year, and then if he's cleared of whatever, not that he's going to get cleared, but if everything gets resolved and it's not as bad as people made it out to be, then, then fine. Go see what you can get for a job. Go ahead. But the fact that he basically – you think about this, Diego, right? He's mm-hmm. getting paid from the Celtics to not mm-hmm. be there. Mm-hmm. Waits a month, basically a month. And then he has another job. And not only that, the Celtics aren't getting anything for him because quite frankly, Diego, I don't think they could get anything for him because unfortunately the Celtics problem was they're probably going to let go. They were probably going to let go of Udoka at the end of the year anyway. So these teams are like, we can just wait until the year's over and then we can go get him anyway. So you really can't get anything from us. So maybe I think that's part of the reason that the Celtics don't want anything from Udoka. And I think the other piece is that they just don't want to deal with the situation anymore. They want a clean break from him. They're like, Joe Missoula is our guy. We're going to stick with him. We'll probably offer him the job as the full-time head coach at the end of the season, take the interim tag off, and we'll go from there. Okay. Your thoughts? I think there, I think there's two things going on here. I think until, I'm a firm believer that until proven guilty with the facts all on the table, all that could be proven otherwise. The Celtics have not really come out clean with their investigation as to how all this unfolded with Amirudoka. So, while in a way I agree with you, what what was found should be should be you know grounds to still be suspended, not be offered a job, and not not granted an opportunity just because somebody needs a new head coach. Like, I, I agree with that. But until the investigation isn't put front and forward and center to the NBA for the NBA to then be able to make a decision at this point, all, all is fair and fair trade at, at this point, unfortunately, whether we like it or not. The second part to that is I think for Brooklyn, the, the desperation is certainly there. Absolutely. Desperation is certainly there. They need to clean house, but they need to have somebody 
with a very harsh attitude, no bullshit type of guy. Right. Uh, and pardon my French for those of you that uh, don't like it. But <laughs> unfortunately, Udoka is that guy. And, and Udoka is not going to sit there and deal with Kyrie, continuing the, this behavior that he's been having, that he's been allowed to have for um, so many years under Nash and, and, and previous other coaches. Um, the good thing, though, is that if Odoka does come in and decides, okay, Kyrie's done with the Brooklyn Nets, he's his contract's being terminated, all free will, whoever wants to have him, go for it, right? The good thing is, is that now he can build a team around Kevin Durant and some others. We know that he has a good relationship with Kevin Durant. He was Durant. Durant relies on him as as his favorite coach during the U.S. Olympics team. Um, they, their relationship goes way back. So there is a good thing for for Dudoka to kind of you know restart his career as a, as an NBA head coach with a decent franchise. But until until this franchise does not realize that they need to ride with their head coach and realize that they got massive problems in front of them to address. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter who you bring as coach. It doesn't matter. You could easily bring Greg Popovich back from retirement. You could bring Doc Rivers to, to be that, that head coach over there. You could bring, um, hell, you could even, you could even ask Brad Stevens to step into the head coach job again and, and be able to offer Brad Stevens an ownership role within, within the Nets. It doesn't matter who you offer that job to right now. Not a lot of people want it. Um, the second, the, the third part to that is, say Udoka is not the guy for for the Nets. You got a, ma- a massive issue coming at you because then you know who's next for the reigns of, of the Nets? Zach. Two females that have been named for potential NBA head coaching jobs. Becky, Becky Hammond. Becky Hammond's one of them. And the other one was... Um, Carol Lawson. Yes, thank you, Carol Lawson. That's a major problem because you got a guy that's making anti-Semitic uh, comments in your locker room. You got a locker room that's known to have a little bit of sexism behind them. You got a very... Uh, unfortunate kind of behavior coming from your ownership. Is that a job that Becky Hammond and Carly Lawson are going to, are going to want? No, no, but because they need to get, uh, unfortunately, because this is the way that a lot of sports work, which is the, the, the dumbest thing I've ever seen in sports. Unfortunately, because for a woman, it is 10 times harder to get a job in a male industry run job. Unfortunately, some women are available and make themselves available to take that very hard road for them to make a name. And it shouldn't be like that. It, it's unfortunate that it happens. And I get why women take that job in order to, to make that opportunity happen for themselves. But it's very unfortunate that it has to come that way. And I don't think it's it's necessarily the, the correct way to make it happen. Um, but other than that, I don't, I don't really see a lot of people that, that, are fit for that Brooklyn Nets job at, at this moment with the locker room that you have. Maybe Mike Brown, maybe Rick Carlisle, but other than that, there, there's not a lot of guys. There is not a lot of potential for 
for the Brooklyn Nets. And like I said at my at my very first statement, until proven guilty for Loka, Celtics fans, whether we like it or not, it is open fair trade season at this point. It is. And you know what? The thing is, too, and you made a lot of great points. The other part of this, too, is you just take a look at just the construction of the team right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think about this, right? Your two big pieces, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, right? Yep. Kevin Durant signed, I think it was a four-year contract. I think he signed it two or three years ago. I'm almost certain. It was a four-year yep. contract. Now, he's not scheduled to be an unrestricted free agent until 2026, according to SpokeTrack.com. Yep. But who's to say that if the Nets don't have another bad year, that they're not, they're like, you know what? This guy is getting paid a lot of money, $45 million pretty much per year. And then it's going to go up to 50 in 2024, 25, and then 53 million in his last year of his deal. Who's to say mm-hmm. the Nets won't be like, you know what? We're going to blow it up. We're going to start over, you know? And, and Kyrie Irving, too, another guy that's had so many problems, had another problem with a reporter in his latest post-game presser. Yep. yep. You know, talking about his comments and everything. So, you know, for Nets ownership and guys like Sean Marks and Joe Sy, who's to say they won't blow it up? Who's to say they won't, you know, just try to get a brand new identity? And right now, the Brooklyn Nets job is not a job that's appealing. And on defense, they're one of the worst defensive teams in the NBA, especially in transition. You're just going to hope that Ime Udoka can come in and fix it just like that. The only reason it worked with the Celtics is they had the pieces. They had the young defensive pieces in place. Mm-hmm. That's not going to work with this group. It, it's just not, you know. And if and if Ime does, then he deserves to get Coach of the Year if that were to happen. So, oh, but, absolutely. And I mean, yeah, this is this is the part that actually upsets me the most about the Celtics front office right now, not wanting anything in return for Amir Doka. You were fleeced in that Paul Pierce Kevin Garnett deal. Whether you like it or not, you were fleeced. Because I, I don't know about that. Because while you got while you got a great job in getting a prospect out of Jason Tatum and then being able to trade up for, for Jalen Brown, okay. I agree with that. Okay, you, you need a future there. But it was a year where you still needed some sort of leadership in that locker room. If even if you have been able to keep Garnett in that locker room, that Celtics team would have been able to make it a little bit further than what they were able to. And in years forward to that, you still needed a, a good centerpiece. And it's taken us some years to be able to have a good centerpiece. Not to say that Garnett would have lasted up to right now. No, no, no freaking way. But it would have allowed for you to at least be able to roll the value that Kevin Garnett had at the time to be able to, to then be able to say, all right, we want this center. And this is the center that we're going to have until we find a good one, maybe three, four years from there. Maybe like a, like a you know, like a time Lord or, or any of those guys. I think this is a perfect opportunity for, for the Celtics to be able to play the leading factor here. You want Emir Udoka? Okay, take Emir Udoka and take his contract. But why not go for, for some small forward talent there? We kind of, in a way, we kind of need a small forward too. In case of a case of a Jalen Brown injury, in case of a Jason Tatum injury, we don't really have that many shooters available in the team right now. We really don't. Why not make a why not make a deal for somebody like Joe Harris who right in a way is kind of underutilized in that in that 
in that roster right now. Why not try to make a deal to bring somebody like, um, I don't know, maybe even, maybe even Seth Curry and Royce O'Neal, or even even if you don't get a player, even if you don't get a player in the deal. Yeah. Why not get a draft pick back? So don't forget, even you some, lost a couple exactly, draft picks. Exactly. Some draft in the picks Malcolm would help trade. You lost that. You lost draft picks in that trade. Get one of those back. It could be exactly. a mid-level pick. Exactly. So. And not getting any compensation back in an opportunity moment where you can do that, it, it just makes no sense. I get taking the, the, the gentleman road and being like, you know what? You guys want to suspend the guys? Have them. Go, go for it. But like, this isn't a gentleman's sport anymore. No. This is a this is a sport where either business is business or competition is here to compete, and you're not de- doing either or in this opportunity. No. And that's where that's where I'm, that's where I'm kind of really ticked off at, at, at Brad Stevens and company for not mm-hmm. wanting to make a necessary deal here, especially with being able to, you know. Dangle the piece. D- dangle, dangle, yeah, dangle the carrot in front of the nets right now. Right. Um, I, I don't know. We'll see more to come. I personally think with the amount of media coverage that this story has been getting, and seeing the need the nets have right now to kind of clean their name, they're probably not going to go forward. Yeah, he's emerging, but they're probably not going to go forward. And if they do go forward, suck it up, Celtics fans, because unfortunately, not much has come out of that investigation nothing new has been reported i know and, and according to sham uh charania the nets are planning to hire Ime as their next head coach this was at about three o'clock p.m on yep. tuesday november 1st so again if if he ends up there i'm not going to be upset about it it is what it is i think joe missoula is going to do fine with this team so i'm good with mm-hmm. it but i would have liked to see like like i said like a pick maybe some sort of player that helped but it is what it is. The Nets are still a dumpster fire. They barely beat the Indiana Pacers the other day who are rebuilding. So it, it shouldn't worry you too much. I, I'm yep. I'm personally not worried, truthfully. So we'll see what happens. But we'll talk about some Bruins real quick to kind of wrap everything up. Before that, make sure to check out A&B Kitchen and Bars, both in Beverly and Boston, Massachusetts. Whether you want to go to the game without actually being at the game or you just want a night out with the family or your good friends, Make sure to check out AAB Kitchen and Bar. They have great entrees, fantastically locally crafted beers, and everything else in between. So go to AB Kitchen and Bar, either in Boston, Massachusetts, or Beverly, Massachusetts. Tell them the Legends Boys sent you. Have a great time with even better people. Shout out to those boys. They were quite busy this uh Halloween uh weekend here in Boston. They put up a they, they put up a yeah, they were they they put up a great performance for uh for this weekend. The the pop crawl and everything was Super busy all around Boston. They they delivered, man. They delivered. They, they did. They they just they know how to advertise. They know how to get good food. We're mm-hmm. happy to have them as a sponsor of the Legends Lingo Podcast. So shout out to A and B Kitchen and Bar. Mm-hmm. All right, Bruins. Real quick before we wrap up the show tonight, they just look good. <laughs> they look so good. It, it's awesome. It's awesome how it good is. they look. Yeah. So Bruins right now eight and one on the young season. They lost one game to Ottawa seven to five, and otherwise they've just been kind of. Going through teams, they're winning some close games. I mean, like, I'm just looking at their I'm looking at their games. A four nothing win on the second night of a back to back in Columbus, taking care of the Red Wings, taking care of the Stars, beating the Wild in overtime, beating the Ducks in a shootout. 
taking care of the Florida Panthers, who were really good last year in the Eastern Conference, mm-hmm. taking care of the Coyotes, beating the Capitals in Washington on opening night. I mean, and the thing is, Diego, with this that I'm very happy about is Brad Marchand's already back earlier than yep. expected, had two yep. goals and an assist in his first game against the Red Wings and his yep. return to action. And Charlie McAvoy looks like he's going to be coming back too to shore up that first line defense. Mm-hmm. I mean, Linus Olmark looks like, but I know we were a lot of Bruins fans were complaining last year about Olmark because he had some really dud games. He looks good this year. Jeremy yep. Swayman had a tough game in Ottawa. Looks like he's kind of finding his footing a little bit. And the Bruins have some tough matchups. They're on the road at Pittsburgh, on the road against the Rangers, on the road against the Maple Leafs this week. So hopefully they can come out winning two out of three or the way they're playing, just take care of all three. But mm-hmm. I, I guess this is what I wanted to ask you, Diego. Do you buy into the Bruins being this good right now? Or do you think that it's just a hot start? They might start to cool and fizzle out a little bit, and then we'll really see what, what they're made of. What do you think of this Bruins team right now? I think right now you definitely want to buy into this team. I mean, this is a team that last year lacked of a sense of of culture and locker room togetherness in a way. Right. Um, do I believe this was Bruce Cassidy's fault? No, not at all. I think he tried as hard as he could to kind of keep that culture alive. But unfortunately, through some moves made by people above of his level without any sort of say in, in those decisions – there really wasn't much that Cassidy could do. Um, unfortunately, resulting in, in his firing. Uh, and I think this team would still be the same exact way if Cassidy was was their coach. Now, I definitely think we definitely want to buy into this team because you got some leadership in here. You got you got Felino making some some good leadership roles uh, moves here. You got Patrice Bergeron sticking around for another year. Pasternak and Martian already well-known guys in the locker room, people that, that can be relied on. They already know those identities. Um, Taylor Hall, kind of another major name in the locker room, kind of making an identity for himself. Uh, then you look at our goaltending uh, situation between Swayman and, and Allmark. They both look very reliable, very refreshed, uh, with some sort of uh, pet to their step defensively. Uh Frederick, Connor Clifton, all those guys looking very good. Um, I, I think overall this is the, this is a good team that you definitely want to be buying into this year. Uh, coached very well. I think the coach has done a phenomenal job so far stepping into a very hot seat um, coming into into the into the Boston Bruins locker room, um, kind of for the identity that this that this, uh, this team has had, the identity that they have in the city the impact that they have overall in terms of Boston sports. Uh, they, like, like you said, they, they just look very good. Eight and one is a, is a record that definitely want to be taking some pride on, um, especially going into, into a game against like the Pittsburgh Penguins who are four, four and one at this moment. Um, yeah. You kind of, you kind of build some confidence around this team and you get behind them for sure. You have to at this point, right? Because, and especially with Montgomery, like you said, he was coming into a no-win situation Mm -hmm. because the old head coach in Bruce Cassidy was loved by Bruins fans everywhere because he produced results, right? Got Mm -hmm. you to a cup in 2019, should have won you the cup in 2019, but we won't go revisit that heartbreak. But the point is, is that he got a lot out of this group. 
Yeah. You know, and I think maybe it was a coaching change needed. Maybe it was, and we just didn't know it. You know, I'm not saying Bruce Cassidy isn't a good coach. Look at what he's doing in Vegas. They're the best team in the West right now. Yeah. yeah. So, so with that, this team is really, really good right now. They have two really balanced lines, especially when you have Marshan, Bergeron, and Pasternak on that first line. And then you got Taylor Hall and David Krejci on the second line, along with, I'm trying to think of who else is on that second line. Is it um, DeBrusque? DeBru- is DeBrusque on that second line? Um, or yes. Flip, or or is, is it DeBrusque and um, Pasternak are flipped? I think DeBrusque and, and Pasternak are flipped. Right. So, okay, yeah, because yeah. DeBrusque was on the first line, and then Pasternak's on the second line with Krejci and, um, oh, my gosh, I just said and Taylor Hall. So mm-hmm. you have that. And then when you're healthy, Hampus Lindholm and Charlie McAvoy is your first line def- defenseman. Pretty good. Yep. Really, really good. You're getting some decent contributions from Matt Grizzlick. Brandon Carlo's giving you good, solid physical defensive play. And honestly, mm-hmm. like the, having Charlie Coyle on your third line, putting up points, not mm-hmm. a bad way to go, Diego. I really like their their top two lines, and I like the contributions you're getting from your third line. And you're getting a little bit from your fourth line. A.J. Greer's another name that's been yep. doing really well to start the season yep. off the fourth line. So this Bruins team is something to look out for. And I think if you go, if you get two wins on this road trip out of three against the Penguins, Rangers, and the um, sheesh, it's it's late and I'm 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 starting to fade. Um, Penguins, Rangers, and Maple Leafs. Sorry, and Maple Leafs. Mm-hmm. If you can get two out of three in those, then you're really something special here. Something special is happening. Yep. So yep. I don't expect the winning streak to obviously last forever. It's got to end at some point. But if the, if the Bruins can continue this high level of play and this type of offensive production, and you're starting to get the good quality goaltending, and you can touch up that defense just a little bit, mm-hmm. it, this is going to be a fun season. It really is. Yeah, and I mean, when you look at the Atlantic Division right now, the only team that is somewhat of a of a um, of a problem upcoming for the Bruins are two teams, and that's the Sabres and the, and the Panthers. But Sabres, unfortunately for them, they're known. They start very hot during the, the beginning of the season, and they fade away quicker than, than that flame started. Panthers could be a problem. They're 5-3 and three so far, 5-3-1, and, three and one, I, um, if I'm not mistaken. And then other than that, it's kind of a clear slate for the for the for the Bruins. Lighting, Canadians all both have the same record, five and four. Then behind that is the Red Wings, Maple Leafs, and Senators, uh, four, three, four, three, two, four, four, and two, and four and four. Um and out of the Metropolitan Division, you know, there's concerns about the game coming up against the Rangers because they're five and three. But offensively, this Bruins game, this Bruins team has a lot more to offer in depth um, against the Rangers, and this is where we could see, this is where we could see a, a very good game lining up for for um, for the Bruins. I think, I personally think they could probably go three and zero in that in that three game stretch, um, just based on on the teams that they play and the performances that those teams have had and their records. Uh, to say a surprise wouldn't happen in the way, yeah, absolutely, a surprise could happen. They could very easily lose tonight, um, but I, I, I think this is a team you definitely need to buy on for sure. So, from the words of Diego Galvis, buy in on the Bruins, buy, 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 get them mm-hmm. in, get in on the black and gold right now. So that's pretty much going to do it. 
Patriots are four and four. Hopefully we'll go to over 500 for the first time this season against mm-hmm. the Indianapolis Colts. Didn't mm-hmm. make any moves at the deadline. Mac Jones is your starting quarterback going forward. Celtics still look pretty good. Mm-hmm. Their former head coach could be going back to the place where he was an assistant. Yep. And the Bruins are a hot right now. And the Red Sox are still irrelevant because they haven't signed Xander Bogarts. And who knows if they'll sign Devers. But that's that's another story for another day. Well, I'd say right now it's lining up like a very good month for to be a Boston Boston sports fan. So it always is, Diego. We always have something to talk about. That's the beauty mm-hmm. of it. All right, Diego, shout out your podcast before we do all the closing stuff. Go ahead, my man. Yeah, sure. You can follow us uh, at Podcast Card on Twitter. We're on Spotify and on YouTube. Just look up uh, Yellow Card Podcast and we'll be right there. Also on Anchor, on Google Podcasts, on TikTok, at Yellow Card Pod. Um, and potentially we might be having an Instagram page uh, that is to be announced way later in the season. World Cup coming up, so make sure that you're following us on, on Twitter. If you want the top soccer action, make sure to follow the Yellow Card Podcast at Podcast Card on Twitter, and make sure to follow Diego the DJ on Instagram, right? Because you're not on Twitter anymore, right? Yep, correct. So Diego the DJ on Instagram. If you want to check out Diego's DJing stuff and you want to book him for an event, there, there you go. You got your own personal DJ. So, <laughs> so there you go. But again, make sure to rate and subscribe to the Legends Lingo podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Anchor, everywhere where you can get your podcasts. Again, check out studentunionsports.com. Check out everything that's going on there. And be on the lookout next week because we're going to have a special guest on with us, a brand new guest to the podcast we've never had before. So make sure to tune in next week. It's going to be a fun one. For Diego Galvis, I'm your host, Alan Hegan. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you next week for episode 196. In honor of Pop. Yes, sir.